Good morning to you. We are continuing this morning to work our way and walk our way through the Old Testament book of Nehemiah, this ancient story that has so much in common with our world and with our lives. You see, Nehemiah lived in a day much like our own day. It was a time of community and cultural disintegration. It was a, a time when the, God's people really were struggling with a time of unprecedented uh, difficulty. For 141 years, the city of Jerusalem had been in absolute ruin politically, economically, culturally, socially, spiritually, wherever you looked, things were a mess. But you know what the great lesson we're learning as we work our way through this book is that God can turn a mess around when He can find some people who will take Him seriously. He can turn some communities around. He can turn some families around. He can turn some circumstances around. He can turn some lives around. God can turn a lot of things around when He can find some people who will take Him seriously, who will take His Word seriously, who will take His will seriously. Let me, let me ask you a question this morning, if I may. Do you understand, and I, and I really, I want you to answer this, uh, not out loud, but I, I want you to answer it in, in your own heart. You can answer it out loud if you want to. Somebody might look at you funny, but you can do that if you want to. But answer, answer in your own heart this morning. Do you, do, you, do you understand? Do you really understand that there is a difference in the way God responds to His people and the way God responds to the needs of His people when we take Him seriously. Do you understand that there's a difference in the way God responds to His people and the way He responds to the needs of His people when we take Him seriously? There is a verse this morning that really needs to burn its way into your heart and into your mind this morning. It's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. I am confident I have shared this verse with you before. I want to read it from the Christian Standard Bible translation. It reads this way. For the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on behalf of those who are wholeheartedly devoted to Him. The eyes of the Lord roam throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on behalf of those who are wholeheartedly devoted to Him. Listen, God wants to show Himself strong. 
He wants to show himself to be strong in this church. He wants to show himself to be strong in this community. He wants to show himself to be strong in this nation. He wants to show himself to be strong in your life. He wants to show himself to be strong in your circumstances. The the writer of 2 Chronicles says, God is looking everywhere for places he can show himself to be strong. He is searching for opportunities to show off his power, to show off his 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 greatness but there's a caveat god shows himself strong on behalf of who second chronicles 16:9 tells us in behalf of those who are wholeheartedly devoted to him. The New King James says, for those whose heart is loyal to him. The New Century Version says, those who have given themselves completely to him. The message says, people who are totally committed to him. I say, in my own words, those who take him seriously, who take his word seriously, who take his will Seriously. Now, God is going to show himself to be strong on behalf of Nehemiah. And it is not because Nehemiah was a gifted administrator. It wasn't because he was a talented organizer. It wasn't because he was a savvy politician, though he may have been all of those things. It wasn't because he had great ideas and awesome plans. God is going to show himself to be strong in the life of Nehemiah, because this is a man who took God seriously. It's a man who took God's word seriously, a man who took God's purposes seriously. And when he did that, he discovered that God began to do some amazing things, not only in his own personal life, but in the community and the culture as well. Now, last week we started looking at things we can count on. When we take God seriously. Nehemiah, last week, found out two things he could count on. Two things you and I can count on. Number one, we saw that when I take God seriously, I will engage God's power. And number two, we saw that when I take God seriously, I will experience God's provision. So, I get to engage God's power. I get to experience God's provision, we've seen those two things. Let's look at a third here in Nehemiah chapter 2. When I take God seriously, I will be enlightened to God's purposes. When I take God seriously, I will be enlightened to God's purposes. You see, when Nehemiah began to, to take God seriously, and when I began to take God seriously... I will begin to see God in ways I've never seen Him before. And I'll begin to hear from God in ways I've never heard from Him before. I will begin to sense God 
and what he wants to do in my life and what he wants to do in the world around me, listen, when nobody else has a clue, when I take God seriously. This is what happened to Nehemiah. If you look with me at verses 11 and 12, here of Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah's finally gotten to Jerusalem. Everything we've seen up to this point has been leading to this. He finally gets to his hometown. And the very first thing we see here is the most important thing, really, I think we see in the entire book of Nehemiah in in this entire story. Look at verse 11. Nehemiah says, So I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. Now, Now watch this. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. Now hear that again. I had not told anyone what God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. You need to hear that and hear it carefully because rebuilding the devastated city of Jerusalem wasn't Nehemiah's idea. It was God's idea. Fixing the mess in that community and that culture wasn't Nehemiah's initiative. It was God's initiative. This is what God wanted to do. This was his plan. This was his purpose. But God, listen, God enlightened Nehemiah. God opened Nehemiah's eyes to that purpose. God let Nehemiah know what he was up to. Why? Because he wanted Nehemiah to be part of it. So God enlightened him to his purpose. Let me tell you something, church. Not everybody gets in on this kind of enlightenment. Not everybody's eyes are opened to what God is doing and wants to do. Not every Christian gets in on that because God only enlightens those who take Him seriously. Who take His Word seriously. Who take His will seriously. I want to tell you, I'm just going to be honest I look around me every single solitary day and I see so many Christians, so many professing followers of Jesus Christ who are living their lives confused and confounded. Christians who are frustrated and discouraged because they can't seem to get a word from God. They can't seem to get any light into their circumstances. They can't seem to get any word about their future. You need to understand that it is when I am wholeheartedly devoted to God, it is when my heart is completely loyal to God, it is when I give myself completely to God it is when I commit myself to God and his word that's when God will begin to enlighten me when that happens church he he will tell me things that I would otherwise never hear he would he will show me things that I would otherwise never see 
I'll get in on stuff that every other person will miss every single time because when I take God seriously, I'll begin to discern things that other folks just cannot fathom. Because when I take God seriously, His Word says He will enlighten me to His purposes so that I can join Him in what He is doing. So I can be part of things that I would never imagine. This is only for those who take God seriously, who take His Word seriously, who take His will seriously. So, so follow me, what, we, what we've seen so far. When I take God seriously, I will engage His power. When I take God seriously, I will experience His provision. When I take God seriously, I will be enlightened to His purposes. That's pretty good stuff. You think? That's pretty good stuff. I don't want to miss out on that. Too many of us miss out on that. Let's look at a fourth thing. When I take God seriously, not only will I engage His power, not only will I experience His provision, not only will I be enlightened to His purposes, but number four, when I take God seriously, and I love this one. Oh my gosh, I love this one. When I take God seriously... I will encourage God's people. When I take God seriously, I will encourage God's people. Boy, if there, you tell me if you agree with me or not. If there is anything this world needs today, our nation needs today, our churches need today, our families, our lives, if there's anything we need today, folks, it's some encouragement, do you think? I mean, we look at 2020 and what we faced in this year and all we've dealt with and are dealing with and what you're dealing with in your own individual lives, maybe in your home, your place of business, you name it. There is so much around us that is discouraging and we get discouragement from every quarter. We get it from the news. We get it from the politicians and the pundits. We get it from the social scientists and the cultural engineers who are telling us how messed up things always are. Sometimes we find ourselves, believe it or not, you probably won't believe this, but sometimes we find ourselves getting discouragement from within the church. From brothers and sisters in Christ, sometimes discouragement comes from members of our own families. And Nothing, I don't believe anything in the whole world is worse than living day in and day out with discouragement. There's nothing worse than that. And it's not surprising if you just look at the word itself, that word discouragement, if we trace it back to its origins and we look at its etymology, we'll see that the word discourage comes from really two words, one which means away, 
and the other which means spirit. So to be discouraged means that your spirit has been taken away from you. It means to lose heart. It means to become dispirited. See, in Nehemiah's day, the people living in Jerusalem had had their spirit taken away. We know historically, and I put this in your timeline from, from last week, twice, once under Zerubbabel in 538 B.C., and again, 80 years later, under Ezra in 458 B.C., the people had tried to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. But because of the opposition and because of their own weakness and sinfulness and self-centeredness, they had failed and they had failed miserably. And the situation in the city of Jerusalem was the same it had been 140 years earlier back in 538 B.C. when the Babylonians had come in and absolutely destroyed the place. In fact, when, when Nehemiah gets to Jerusalem... The very first thing that he does is take a nighttime tour of the city to just kind of walk around and see the devastation. He got on a horse and you, you read about that journey. He had to go over rubble and, and, and climb over piles of rocks. And, and all, you can read that in verses 13 through 16 of chapter 2. I won't take the time to read it now, but that's what he did. And after he did it, he comes back and he gives a very honest assessment of the situation in verse 17. Look at that. He says, you see the trouble we are in. How Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. <laughs> Nehemiah didn't sugarcoat the reality here. Okay? He said, we got a mess. Everywhere I look, it's just a mess. It's a disgrace. But he didn't leave it at that. He didn't leave it at that. You know, there are a lot of people who just like to talk about how bad things are. You ever been around them? ton of fun to be around people like that, right? Everything's just horrible. Everything's just terrible. They tell you about how bad things are in, in the world. They tell you about how bad things are in the community. Tell you about how bad things are in the church. How bad things are in the nation. How bad things are in their own lives. Well, Nehemiah knew things were bad. He was honest. He said, yeah, things are bad. But he didn't stop there. The last of verse 17, he says, come, let us build the walls of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. And then in verse 18, it says, and I told them of the hand of my God upon me for good and also of the words the king had spoken to me. And so the people said, let us rise up and build. Now watch this. Nehemiah said, you're not going to believe what my great and awesome God has done. Let me tell you, just let me tell you how the king of heaven moved in the heart of the king of Persia to bring me here and do more than I could have ever imagined. See, Nehemiah knew the devastation in the city of Jerusalem. He knew about the broken down walls, but because Nehemiah took God seriously, his eyes weren't fixed on the devastation. His eyes were fixed on God 
He wasn't focused on the broken down walls. He was focused on God. He saw the mess. But he wasn't discouraged by the mess because he knew what could happen when the hand of God began to move. So he said, we can rebuild these walls. We we can rebuild this city. We can change this situation. We can make a difference. Let me tell you something. Something absolutely incredible happens. Something absolutely incredible takes place when a group of discouraged, defeated, disinterested believers begin to see God move in the life of a person who takes God seriously. That man, that woman, that student becomes an in. Encourager. And all of a sudden, people who've been talking about how bad things are and how terrible things are and how discouraging things are begin to think, hey, you know, that guy really believes God can do something here. That gal really believes that God is more powerful than this problem. And they begin to think, you know, maybe things can change. That's what happened right here in Jerusalem. These people heard what Nehemiah had heard. They they saw and heard from him what he'd experienced. They heard him say, we've got a mess, but it doesn't need to stay a mess. We can rebuild these walls. And suddenly the people said, you know what? We believe that too. We don't want to go through the rest of our lives living like this. We don't want to keep on in this kind of situation, this mess that we're in. Let's rise up and let's rebuild these walls. Now, I'm going to step out on a limb and tread where angels fear to walk. But I'm going to give you a quiz, okay? I'm going to put on my professorial hat for a minute. And I'm going to ask you a question. Now, the first one ought to be pretty easy because I've already told it to you in this message. Before Nehemiah came to Jerusalem, do you remember how many years that city had been in ruins? 141 years. 141 years things had been a mess. Now, second question is a little bit harder. We've talked about it, but I hadn't mentioned it yet today. Once Nehemiah got there and the people began to work at rebuilding, do you remember how long it took to rebuild those city walls? Anybody? Fit you get an A. <laughs> 52 days. This is amazing. 52 days is all it took to solve a 100 and 41-year-old problem. Listen, it doesn't take long to change things when you do things God's way. But it started with a person who took God seriously, who then encouraged a discouraged people. When you take God seriously, I'm going to tell you, You will encourage God's people, and we need some encouragers around here today. So if you want to be an encourager, if you want to be part of changing things, 
Start taking this word seriously. Start taking God seriously. Start taking his purposes seriously in your life and in the world around you. That's pretty exciting to me. Now, fifth thing here, I really wish I didn't have to tell you. I would much prefer not to have to deal with this lesson, but we need to deal with this lesson. Number five, when I take God seriously, I will elevate Satan's persecution. When I take God seriously, I will elevate Satan's persecution. Look, I'll engage God's power. I'll experience God's provision. I'll be enlightened to God's purposes. Hey, I'll encourage God's people. But I will also elevate Satan's persecution. I hope you understand this morning that Satan is always trying to distract us. He is always trying to discourage us. He is always trying to defeat us. He is always trying to demoralize us as believers. That is part of his job description. That is an essential character trait of his. That is why scripture variously refers to Satan as the evil one, the accuser of the brethren, the father of lies, the tempter. This is why the apostle Paul tells us that Satan is constantly on the prowl. He's like a roaring lion, always looking for someone he can devour. And every time a true believer attempts to live the Christian life, you will know the reality of Satan's attacks. But here's what you need to understand. When you begin to take God, really take God seriously, his his, his role in your life, when you really begin to take his word seriously, how he speaks to you from this word, you say, I'm going to obey that word even if I don't like it. When you begin to take God's will seriously and his purpose seriously, you are going to elevate those attacks of Satan. Now, that word elevate means to increase the amplitude of something. It means to increase the intensity of something. It means to crank up the volume on something. And very early in Nehemiah's ministry, we begin to see these attacks of Satan come and we begin to see them increase. Look at verse 10 of chapter 2. Now actually, this is before Nehemiah actually gets into the city of Jerusalem. He's on his way. He's, He's arrived in the province. He's given letters from King Artaxerxes to the governors of the province. But he's not actually in the city of Jerusalem yet. Look at verse 10. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard this, heard what? Heard that Nehemiah was on his way. It displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. These guys were displeased. Some translations say that they were disturbed. In other words, it really ticked them off. And they were hot. That, that someone wanted to do something to change the situation in Jerusalem. It enraged them that somebody wanted to make a difference and seek the welfare of the people. Can I tell you something this morning? If you decide, you really decide that you want to do something to change the situation in your culture, in your community, in your church, in your own life, for the glory of God, let me tell you something. You're going to anger, you're going to antagonize, and you're going to enrage Satan. 
I mean, as long as you're just resolved to the situation, whatever it may be, as long as all you want to do is, is moan and groan and complain, talk about how bad things are, woe is me, can't believe I'm in this situation, can't believe our nation's in this kind of mess, that's okay. That's not going to bother Satan one bit. In fact, it'll, it'll probably make his day. But you decide you're going to fight for change somewhere, you're going to make a difference somewhere, you're going to stir Satan up because that then becomes a threat to his interests. Uh, Satan's not like I was when I was a parent of young kids or even as a parent today. I tell you, what I, what I, what I do and what I think as a parent, especially when my kids were young, you know, I, I look at my, my parenting in that role and I, you know what I say? I say, you know, I, I got enough trouble with my own kids. I ain't got time to worry about yours. <laughs> I, ain't got, I ain't got time to worry about somebody else's kids. I got enough issues with my own. That is not the way Satan operates. He doesn't care one whit about his kids. He's not worried about them. He spends his time trafficking with God's kids. He spends his time coming after you and me. And I can promise you, he's not going to give up one inch of his territory without a fight. Look here at verse 19. It says, when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard about this, heard about what? Now heard that, that Nehemiah was there. They mocked and ridiculed us, saying, What is this you are doing? And they asked, Are you rebelling against the king? Now I want you to notice here, the numbers have increased. Back in verse 10, it was just Sanballat and Tobiah. You get down to verse 19, now you add Geshem to the mix. And before this wall is completed, there are going to be a bunch of other folks who join these three in their opposition to what Nehemiah is trying to do. To do. And look, 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 at, look at what they're doing. A couple of things here in verse 19 that they're doing to try to discourage and distract the people. Number one, it says they're mocking and ridiculing the people who've now caught the vision of rebuilding. <laughs> they're saying, you'll never be able to do this. Are you crazy? You've tried before. Didn't work. There's no hope for this happening. You're not going to change anything. So they mocked them and they ridiculed them. And then the second thing they did was they used fear to threaten them. They said, are you really rebelling against the king? You try to rebuild this city, you're going, you're going to get in big trouble. You're going to have some heavy consequences to pay if you don't stop doing what you're doing. Now, this, this, this was the same kind of tactic that they'd used 13 years earlier when Ezra had, had tried to bring that second group of Jews back into the city of Jerusalem to rebuild it. But because of that opposition, they stopped the work cold. You need to understand being a difference maker is not going to be easy. Trying to make a difference anywhere for the glory of God is not going to be easy. No matter where you're trying to make that difference, you can count on elevating the opposition you can count on elevating the persecution of satan because again he's not gonna he's not gonna stand idly by and see his territory taken wherever that territory may be now folks this is not nearly as much fun as engaging god's power 
It's not nearly as much fun as experiencing God's provision. It's not nearly as exciting as as being enlightened to God's purposes or being an encouragement to God's people. In fact, this is not fun at all. It's often very hard. And this is why a lot of Christians decide somewhere along the way, forget it, it's not worth it. I'm not going to put up with the pain. I'm not going to put up with the sacrifice. I'm just not going to deal with it. I'm going to be driven by my own self-interests. And so consequently, they never make a difference anywhere. But folks, this goes with the territory. And we're going to see a lot more of it as we work our way through the book of Nehemiah. When I take God seriously, I will elevate Satan's persecution. But thankfully, that's not the final word. Give me one, one, more, one more thing, number six, very quickly. When I take God seriously, I will encounter God's presence. When I take God seriously, I will encounter God's presence. Look with me at verse 20 as we wrap this up. Now, this is Nehemiah's reply to the opposition of Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem. This is what he says. The God of heaven will make us prosper. And we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. Nehemiah knew that he and the people were going to be successful at this. Why? Because God had told him this was God's agenda. This this was God's plan. That's why Nehemiah said, the God of heaven will make us prosper. There's something right here that is so critical. It was critical in Nehemiah's story and it'll be critical in your story and my story as well. Listen to this carefully. Nehemiah was not rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem for God. That's not what's happening. Nehemiah was not rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem for God. God was rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem through Nehemiah. Big difference. Big difference. It is always God who rebuilds. It's God who restores. It's God who reclaims. It's God who redeems. But God does those things through the lives of His people when they take Him seriously. I got some bad news for you maybe this morning. You will never be able to rebuild the broken down walls in your community or in your family, in your church, in your marriage, in your own personal life. And neither will I. But here's the good news. God can and God will if He can just find some folks who'll take Him seriously, who'll take His Word seriously, who'll take His will seriously. And so the question for today is the same question we have asked every single time we've opened to the the book of Nehemiah. It is the same question we will continue to ask until we conclude this study. And that question is this, are you willing to be a Nehemiah for this generation? Are you willing to be a Nehemiah for this situation, for such a time as we find ourselves in today? If you are, you can count on engaging God's power experiencing 
God's provision. Being enlightened to God's purposes. Being an encourager to God's people. Yes, elevating Satan's persecution. But encountering God's presence and seeing Him do something you would never imagine. I want to be part of that. I hope you do too. And it all starts when we take God seriously. When we take His Word seriously. When we take His Word seriously. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for this time. We are thankful for Your Word. We look around us. We look at our nation. We look at the world. We look in our homes. We look in our churches. And we, like Nehemiah, have to give honest assessments many times. Things are a mess. Oh, what a mess! We don't have to be defined by the mess, and the mess doesn't need to be maintained. The mess can be transformed, it can be changed. There can be a difference, a new day. We can arise and build out of the devastation, out of the ashes, out of the disappointment, out of the defeat, out of the heartache, out of the hurt, out of the pain, out of the failure. You can bring newness of life. As we engage your power, experience your provision, become enlightened to your purposes, become encouragers to your people, even, even though we find the attacks of Satan, his persecution being elevated, we get to encounter along the way your powerful powerful presence and your ability to do exceedingly and abundantly above and beyond all we could ask or even imagine according to your power as it is at work within us if we will just take you seriously if we will take your word seriously if we will take your will and your ways and your purposes seriously so this morning father at whatever point you need to speak to us, maybe there's something in our own life that needs to change. A spirit of bitterness, unforgiveness, an attitude of prejudice, some disappointment we haven't got over, some sin we've committed, whatever it may be. God, this morning would we say from this point forward, we will not be governed by our passions, by our self-interest, by our own desire. Rather, we will bend our hearts and our wills underneath your authority, underneath the authority of your word, 
underneath the clarity of your will as you express it to us through Jesus Christ by your spirit and in your word. And from this day forward, we determine we will be difference makers because we know there's some things we can absolutely count on that give us the ability to push ahead, claim the victory, even if we haven't seen it yet. So Lord, move in our hearts if there are decisions we need to make this morning for your honor and glory. May we make them. May we hold nothing back. It's the prayer that we pray in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to join me in standing. We're going to sing together this great hymn of commitment. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Here's my life. And and, and I give it to you, everything that I am, all that I have. Take you seriously, God. As we sing, if you need to respond, these altars are open. If, if I can pray with you, I'll be glad to do that. Uh, if, if you need to speak with someone after the service, we're here for that as well. If, if you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior this morning, you're here and you know in your heart of hearts, you know, I've been coming to church a while, or you know, I was raised in a Christian home, but I know I don't walk with Christ. I know He's not guiding my life. I know He's not shaping my thoughts, my actions. Then would you come today and settle that issue nothing else matters till you've done that maybe you need a church home and a church family and you'd come and express to me i really would like to be part of what god's doing here at taylor's we'll be glad to talk you through that as well but this is your time to do business with god kevin as you lead us as you sing you respond as god speaks to your heart right now you come